couple of you men to help me. Richie, you mind helping? Uh, you want to help pass out? You got me. All right, we have uh, only two Wednesday nights uh, in, in June, and we take off the month of July, and we'll start back in August with a new study. But what I'm wanting to do is we finish out this week and next week, we're wanting to finalize our study of this rightly dividing the word of truth. And we've gone through the whole process of that. If you've been with us through that journey, we've talked about that one of the things you do when you take a passage of scripture is that you, you learn how to ask questions. And you look at that passage and you deal with all the possible questions that you can find. And, and the better you are at asking questions, the better Bible student you'll be. The more questions you have, the deeper you'll get into the Word of God. And so one of the things is to learn how to ask questions about the passage. Another thing then is to be able to learn the source of answers. Where, where do you find the answers to those questions that we ask? And we looked at different materials. There's, there's a, a Bible uh, dictionaries are used sometimes in regard to that. The Bible itself is a commentary in itself. There are books called commentaries that speak to those things. There are Bible atlases that you can look at to tell you where different things are located along with other information. There, there are the, the Strong's Concordance, and we talked about concordance. That you can find wherever any word of God is, word is used in the Bible, you can find it every place it's used. Also in Strong's Concordance, it'll identify whatever that Hebrew word might be or where that Greek word might be and what it means. Uh, so many things that that concordance will help you in. And those, those are just tools that you put together to be able to answer those questions. So you got your questions and you get the right tools and you answer those questions and put them together. And, and, and then you come down to where you're starting to think about now, what is this telling me? After you get all these pieces of the puzzle put together, or as I say, put all the pots and pans together, and we begin to get all that stuff together. Now, how are we going to put that together in a, in a presentation? And we talked about different ways uh, that you have organizational thought, how you can organize things and put things together. And we talked about that to a great degree. We, we talked about all the way to the point of how you present things, and one of the ways that you present things is is topical. You can use a topical presentation or you can use what is called an expository presentation or you can do anything. And then it has to do with how you're going to present it. Are you going to do it in a manuscript form? Remember that? Or if you're going to extensive outline or extemporaneous, how, how are you going to present that material once you learn it? Well, I gave to you a passage and that passage was Matthew 22, 15 through 22. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember y'all are supposed to be working on that? Do y'all remember that? This means yes. This means no. This means you are asleep and don't know. But if you remember, you were supposed to be working on that. So we had we'd already gone through the process of asking the questions, and I shared with you a number of questions that I added to whatever you had. And then we said that the next thing for us to do is to begin to answer those questions, and that was left up to you to go and to answer those questions. And and now that we've, we've put together that information, how are we going to present it? How are we going to teach this Bible study? Or how are we going to put this in, in an organizational way? If I don't even teach the Bible study, how am I going to put it into an organizational way that I can understand it, that it will mean something to me? 
Uh, that, that's important. If you never teach, if you never taught a Bible study, you never preached a sermon, you never did any of those things, just being able to organize those things and put those thoughts together will help you to remember that passage. It'll help you to put that, that passage in a package to where you'll always remember those are some points about that passage of how you would want to present that. So that, I mean, months later, years later, when you go back to that passage, you're going to remember how you put that organization together because that's the way that we are able to remember those things and able to put those things in our heart. Hiding God's word where? In our heart that we might not what? That we might not sin against him. And, and so if you never teach, you know, so I, say, well, I don't need to know this because I'm not going to teach. If you never teach, you still need to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. But then if you are going to teach, then you need to know how to study that passage, to be able to identify that passage, to be able to put together your study. Not somebody else's study, your study. It's going to be different when it's yours versus somewhere. You're going to have a stamp on your study that's going to be different from anybody else's. And, and I promise you, it is easier to wear your shoes than to wear somebody else's. Amen? You know what I mean by that? Well, whenever you put your feet in your shoes, do you know that they're yours? Oh, I do. If I were to put my feet in your shoes, I would know they're not mine. And, and, and that's the same way it is. Whenever you put your feet in your shoes, as far as the study, you're going to have a different way of approaching it, seeing things. And once you know what you do and how you do things, you're going to be able to bring that to memory more often. And then, if you do have an opportunity to present it, then how are you going to do that? You're going to write it out in a manuscript form? Some people might like to do that. They just write it out in book form almost, where they would do that. Or are they going to do an extensive outline? They're going to put this outline together and break down the points? Or are they going to learn extemporaneously? They're going to put these major thoughts together, and then they have a lot of ammunition they're going to put there, and certainly not impromptu, or you're just doing it off the cuff. You don't want to do that, all right? Not in Bible study, you want to spend more time in that. So we put all of that together for you to be able to be able to present a Bible study if you chose to do that, and at least organizationally in your mind. So where are we now? Well, we had asked the questions about this passage in Matthew 22, 15 through 22. What does that have to do about what's the basic story of that for some people who maybe are here for the first time? What's the basic story about? Okay, it's about paying the poll tax, wasn't it? It was, the, it was a question asked by the Pharisees, the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians. And, and what were they? Were they interested in the poll tax? No, they weren't interested in the poll tax. They were interested in what? In, in trapping Jesus, putting him in a situation where he can't give an answer or whatever answer he gives is going to be wrong on one side or the other. And, and of course, Jesus is smarter than they are. Amen. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is smarter than they are. Amen? Amen. Jesus is smarter than you and I are too. Amen? Amen. I heard that. Amen. All right. So Jesus is so smart that whenever they ask him that question, he is not entrapped, but rather he has the means to be able to turn that around and twist that around to where he's able to answer their question without incriminating himself, but then he's also able to take the opportunity to ask a bigger, more important question of them that so marvels them that they go away uh, with scratching their heads and, and not really wanting to challenge him anymore. That's really the essence of the story. Now, what I would ask you to do is in all of your study, for you to come up with your outline or with your presentation or your something, 
How have you organized that passage? How have you put that passage together? It can be an outline form. It can be topical form. It can be an expository form. And I want to hear from you, any of you who have done that. And, and, and don't, don't say, well, I don't want to do it because mine might be wrong. Yours can't be wrong, okay? It can't be wrong because it's yours. It's what you did. It's not wrong. It's just yours, okay? But I would love to hear from some of you how you put your thoughts together and how you present this passage. And then I've given to you here some just some ideas that, that I, I threw together, basically, to show you some ideas of different ways. We'll cover that in just a moment. But who, who would be willing, who would be bold enough or willing enough to say, I'll share with you some of the thoughts that I had somehow organized the thoughts. Anybody? All right, Kathy, do you want to come up here? Well, I mean, I'm not, you're going to have to talk, you're going to have to talk loud. Yeah. Uh huh. And it really did help me to know what they believed. You know, the Pharisees believed so much in the oral tradition. Uh huh. And um, it helped me to do that. And, um, you know, we have to, and the Herodians are mentioned, and they're very rarely ever mentioned in the, you know, this passage. Right. Right. New Testament. So I wanted to know about that. So we were studying the Gospels in D Life and also studying. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So you spent your time primarily on the opposition that that Jesus faces, who they are. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. All right. Thank you. Danny, did you have something? Come on up here. I'm just more comfortable doing it this way. But the way I did it was as a sort of an expository outline, a bit of a verse by verse, verse, verse presentation. And in doing that, I wanted to look at the context, too. Jesus had been walking through the temple area, and he had been teaching, and more or less they took him aside and began to question his authority. But what Jesus did was turn it into a trial of Israel, showing how they were guilty. So the first two bearables, my tongue is really tangled tonight, y'all. I'm going to have to take it home and iron it and get it smoothed out. The parable of the two sons, where the evil son was condemned, the parable of the wicked vine dresser, where he also was condemned. And here he actually passed sentence on them. He says, the kingdom will be taken away from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits thereof. And then to reinforce that, he gave the parable of the wedding feast and told about the man who showed up without the proper wedding garments. And he was thrown into the fire where he was burned. 
And in demonstrating their guilt, what do you do when somebody shows you how guilty you are? <laughs> you either try to make an excuse for yourself, or you try to impugn the one that's doing the judging. And that's what they were doing with him. They were trying to impugn him and make the people disagree with him. And they did that by, as we know, the coin. The coin had an image of um, Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius Caesar was the son of Augustus, and on this coin the inscription was Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. They had already made Augustus Caesar into a god. They did that with Julius Caesar, too. And that, that made the question a little more important. Who, you know, what, what about this coin here? Whose image is on this coin? And this, this guy on this coin is, is almost claiming deity, and he is for his father. Now, how does Jesus handle this? Well, he doesn't fool around this time. He, he, he cuts to the chase. <laughs> he, he just handles it. They, they said the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And if it was lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, much of Israel would turn away from him because they felt he was treasonous to Israel. To pay taxes to Israel would, I mean to pay taxes to Israel, to pay taxes to Caesar would be to admit that it was a legitimate government and, the Israel, and Israel didn't think so. They didn't like the Romans. But if he doesn't, if he says it's unlawful, then the Pharisees can run to Pilate and the king. This man's a traitor. This man's in rebellious. And they think they got him trapped. And, of course, he didn't have, they didn't have him trapped. Jesus took the coin and he said, whose image is on here? Caesar's. And he gave the simple statement, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God what is God. Now, government has, under God's economy, a proper position, a proper thing to do. We're taught by Paul to be loyal to the government and, and not be overbearing and loyal, but we're to trust the government and respect the government, which can be difficult sometimes. But each has its proper sphere of influence. What is it that we owe to the government? Support, loyalty, but what is it that we owe to God? And you can go all night as to what we owe to God. First off, we owe worship to God to give God glory. We owe delight to God, to, to love him, to, to, to treat him like he's a favored member of your family, to, to delight and rejoice in God. Over and over in scripture, we're taught to rejoice. So the question first is, what is due to the government and loyalty, taxes? But we could go on all night, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away from this because I can't go on all night. Y'all want to go home a little bit, but we can go on all night about what our proper relationship is to God. Thank you. Yeah, good, dude. Very good. All right, so uh, one of the interesting things about it, Kathy f focused primarily on the historical aspect of the Pharisees. One of the things that Danny was emphasizing is contextual. Remember, we talked about what is the context. He goes back and, and takes some of those passages and some of the things that Jesus was doing and why they would want to be in opposition. Now, the question is, why, why are they trying to trap it? Very good. Very good outline. Somebody else? Somebody else write up something? Have something that you, you put together? 
Anybody else? You do, Griff? Uh, God, God's way is the truth. Okay. Okay, God's way is the truth. That's, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Pretty simple, but very profound. Going back to this, they speak of these Yeah. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Application all the time. Okay, anybody else? Anybody else have an outline or something you wrote down or had from, from that study? Do y'all have it or y'all just too scared to admit it? You want somebody else to read your stuff? Anybody else have anything? Okay, thank you for those who did. I wanted, I, what I did, I simply did is I took this passage and, and I outlined it for you in, in a topical sermon. If you remember, we talked about topical messages, topical Bible studies. That one of the ways of organizing a topical study was what? Alliteration. You remember that? Alliteration. What's alliteration? It's where every point begins with the same letter. All right. So I just gave you an example of alliteration from this particular study. All right. So look at that topical sermon or topical study. It has the opposition. Look in your passage there at the opposition. In those verses, it identifies the opposition. Who are those opposition verses? The disciples of the Pharisees and who? And, and the Herodians. Okay, so it identifies it very, very simply. Then the obstacle. All right, the obstacle. The obstacle is the fact that they're trying to entrap him and they want to entrap him with that, that coin, right? With, with that coin. They're asking him about that. Now, they came along and they were tell, bragging about how he doesn't defer to anyone and everything else, but it's all about, should we pay the poll tax? Well, then there is the observation. What, what was the observation that's in that passage? Who, whose observation? It's Jesus' observation of Who? Of those people asking him the question. Remember, he, ha he has the insight of God. He knows what their thoughts and their attitudes are. So he calls them what? What did he call them? He called them hypocrites. You know, why are you trying to do this? You know, you're not really sincere in what you're saying. And in, in saying I defer to no one. So he, he has this observation of knowing what their heart is, what they're trying to do. And, and then the opportunity. What was the opportunity? Jesus took the opportunity of taking, when he asked, they asked about the poll tax, he took that as an opportunity to say, what kind of coin do you use? Who's on the coin? And the real opportunity is this, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's made in his image, but, but what's the real opportunity? But give unto God that which is made in his image. All right, so that's the opportunity that Jesus had. Now, what I want you to do, and what I want you to do next week, okay? Because we're finished up this next week, and I'm wanting you to spend a little bit, a little bit of time on this. I really want you to do this. I want you to take one letter, all right? Take a letter A, or a letter I, or a letter P, 
P or T or whatever. I want you to just take one letter, okay? And, and I want you to give me at least three points. Uh, it can be four or five. I want you to give me at least three or four points that's an alliteration out of this study. All right? An alliteration is out of this study. It's topical, but each one of those letters is going to be a point. Each one of them starts saying a point that identifies those things. You can build off of this where it says opposition, obstacle, observation, opportunity. You can take those same things and what would be, what would be the T words? Now, um, you'd say, well, how in the world am I supposed to do that? Well, if you were trying to find a word, if you were trying to find a word that means the same thing as another word, and you want to find it and it starts with the same letter, what, what do you look at? You don't look in a dictionary. What do you look at? A thesaurus. Uh-huh. You know, a thesaurus. You've all looked at one of those lately? You look up at that, you look up that word, and it'll give you all the other words that, that, that mean that. That will mean the same thing. And find out if any of them start with your letter. You know? Now, that's just giving you a practice of being able to get some kind of idea of how you would put those things together. Some things flow better than other things, but it's still a practice. You'll just force it into it. You'll learn how to put and organize that into some kind of alliteration. All right? Now, instead of just a topical sermon... I want you to see the expository sermon. Now, what's the expository sermon? Remember, topical, we, we get a theme, and then we're trying to fit those verses into that theme of what we're saying. But expository is, is what? It's exposing what the Word says. It's just simply exposing. So it's just another way of verbalizing, putting into a, a sentence form or statement form, what that particular verse is saying or what those particular verses are saying. So look what it says here is this expository sermon. The enemies of Jesus seek to set a trap. That's in what? Verses 15 through 16a. I mean, we're breaking it down in not just verses, into the parts of verses. So who were those enemies? Pharisees, disciples of Pharisees, Herodians, and they're going to set a trap. The first thing they do in, in the setting the trap is they do what? Flattery of Jesus from an insincere from insincere hearts. What did they say? I mean, look at it in 16b. You see it right there. They said, we know that you are uh, deferred to no one. You're not partial to anyone. And we want you to tell us what is the truth because you teach truth. And, and are they sincere about that? No, they're not sincere about that. We know it because Jesus says they're not. But that's just simply a statement. Look at 17. The question with no appropriate answer. What was the question? Is it lawful for us to pay poll tax? And, and it, it is, has no appropriate answer because any, Danny was talking about this a minute ago. Any answer he gave, he's going to be for somebody and against somebody. He's going to be accepted and he's going to be opposed. So they've... They have thought of, wouldn't you like to see them sitting around their table trying to fit? Now, what question can we ask him? <laughs> How can we entrap him? What is, and somebody says, well, I'll tell you what, let's come up with a poll tax. Because he, he, he'll be entrapped by that. And don't you know that guy got a star that day because he came up with that question. They thought they had him trapped. If they had asked you that question, they would have probably had you trapped. And me too, right? Because you had to come down one way or the other. Well, that's the question. Look at verse 18. The perception and wisdom of Jesus. What did he do before he ever answered the question that they asked? He reveals their heart. 
You hypocrites. Why does he know they are a hypocrite? Because he knows their heart. He knows their intention of their heart. So that's very simply a statement of what that is in verse 18. Then in verses 19 through 21a, you have the unexpected answer. The unexpected, what was the unexpected answer? He didn't answer about the poll tax. He asked about the what? The coin. Okay. Well, they weren't expecting him to ask about the coin. And whenever he asked about the coin, he asked the question, getting the coin, whose image or likeness is this coin made by, made in? And they said Caesar's. What was his? Then render to Caesar more, whatever is made in the image of Caesar. Right? So that is the unexpected answer. And he, got, he, he was able to give that answer and not be offensive to anyone. Not to cause anybody to rise up in opposition to him. But look at the next thing. The more than you ask for truth. Isn't it interesting in God's word, if there's one thing that, that will impress you about Jesus more and more, is that Jesus always gives you more than you ask for. <laughs> he always is going to give you more than you ask for. He's going to give you an answer more, go deeper than where you think he's going to go. And so this is the more than you ask for truth. What is the more than you ask for truth? He didn't just say, render to Caesar what is made in the image of Caesar. He says what? Render to what? Render to God that which is made in the image of God. And the more to is the fact that he already knows that the word of God, the Torah, the, in the Pentateuch, in the book of Genesis... It already tells us who we're made in the image of. There's no question about that. The, the Jews would have known very deliberately whose image they were made in. They were made in the image of God. So what was the more than you asked for truth? Give the coin to Caesar all day long. But while you're faithfully giving your coin to Caesar, make sure you give your heart to God. That's the more than that. And then the last thing was simply in verse 22. Even his enemies were or are impressed. They went away amazed. They went away in a sense of awe. They went very, very much caught up in the fact of how he answered. And it's interesting to me that that happens throughout the scripture in what Jesus does. Jesus many times for those people who come and who will try to oppose him, try to ask him questions, try to do, when he gives them the answer that he gives, they walk away amazed, even his enemies. Some, in some passages it says they walked away and never did they question him again. <laughs> I can understand that. Whenever you ask the question and you get that kind of answer back, it would make you say, I'm never going to ask another question. I'm, not gonna, I'm going to be quiet when I'm around him because he, he, he gives more than what you're asking for, Right? He does in regard to that. And he, he impresses them. He impresses them, even his enemies, at how wise he might be. Now, look at that. Look at that, that right there. And, and look at the passage. And, and all, that, all that is is a statement, a statement about each section of that particular study. Okay? Now, when I told you about how you preach when you preach expository or teach expository... You don't have to have you don't have to have notes. You don't have to have notes on a page to preach from or teach from because why? You, you you've got it in here. 
All you had to do, if you think about this, all you have to do is study this right here and, and apply it to where these verses are here. And if you just take the verses and, and, and read that verse and then you make this statement about that verse, then that's expository. So you're, you're just taking this and you don't have to worry about getting lost because just go to the next verse. <laughs> go, go to the next half verse. If you can remember how the verses are divided and, and each point that's in there and you remember what your little outline or what your statement is about that, you've, you've got your Bible study. All right. So along with you doing something topical for next week and coming up with some kind of outline, starting with some letter of the alphabet. I want you to take this passage, same passage. I know we're still dealing with the same passage. Take the same passage, and I want you to write down. Don't copy mine now, okay? I want you to write down in your own words how you would describe those particular verses. How, what would you say would be the description of that verse? Description of what's happening in that verse. Just use it and, and write it down and, and come back with it next week, all right? I really want to see how you do that. You say, does that really help? You will be amazed at how it helps. Whenever you go to the next passage and you, and you do that, you ask the questions, you look for the answers, you get all your ammunition together, get it, then you start looking at those verses and you start breaking down those verses, whether expository or whether topical. Either way, it puts your thought process together. And did, did, did you read, the first time that you ever rode a bike, did you just ride it successfully or did you fall off? Did you fall off? Yeah. Well, you, weren't, you weren't aware of it, but I promise you the first time you ever took your steps, you didn't run a 100-yard dash. You fell down on your knees or your hands or something like that. In other words, everything we do, everything we do, it, it's, it, the first time we do, it's difficult. It's difficult. I'll never forget when I was... When I was in seminary, I loaded and unloaded trucks. Now, for those who know about loading and unloading big trucks, I, I did that to pay my way and provide my family while we were in seminary. And now, the, the real word of what you say is that you strip trucks. So I went through the seminary stripping. That's what I, I was doing. I was stripping it. Literally, that's what you did. You stripped down trucks. But I, 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 the first time I went out there, I, I mean, I'm... You know, I weighed 180 pounds, something like that. I wish I still weighed 180 pounds, but I don't now. But I'm much less than that. <laughs> what, 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 are you, what are you laughing at, Danny? You don't think that's true? Okay. Uh, I still wish I weighed 100. But I weighed about 180 and stuff like that. And, and, but I went out to unload the truck. And, and, man, I'm telling you, trying to learn uh, these big containers, you're having to break them over and put them on carts and tow lines and stuff. Man, in the first few days, I'd like to die. And then I, I was watching a little guy over there next to me, and he was unloading washing machines. Not one, but two at a time, stacked up. And he, he's half my size. And I'm watching him, and he's picking that washing machine, uh, and he leaning it over, he puts it on that thing, throwing my man as fast as he can do it. And I'm dying over here trying to do what I'm doing, and it ain't near as big as them two washing machines. And, and, and I'm, I'm really wondering, I'm going to wonder if I can do this. Can I, can I hang on and do this? Because this is work. And that guy, he'd been out there, so he said, he said oh, it's just all about technique. You know, and he taught me how to do it, break things over, and, you know, how to use this and that and do it that way. And, man, after a few weeks, I could do the same thing anybody else could do. And, and it was kind of entertaining then when the new guy came on and watching him struggle. <laughs> you know, just watching him struggle and try to do it because he don't know how to do it until somebody helped him learn how to do it. 
Anything that you learn that you do the first time, it's not easy. I mean, whatever you do is not easy. You have to work at it. But whenever you work at it and you learn the right technique to do it, it becomes just second nature of how you're able to do that. And that's the same thing with Bible study. If you'll do Bible study, even though it's hard the first time, if you'll do it and stick with it, learn how it, then it becomes easier as you do it. It becomes easier in the process of being able to do that. And I want you to be that guy. I don't want you to be somebody who's just waiting for the preacher to tell you what the Bible says. Or waiting for your Sunday school teacher to tell you what the Bible says. I want you to know what the Bible says. I want you to be able to take it and study it and know it, discern it, put it in an organized way, be able to talk about it with other people, and be able to teach it if you had the opportunity to do it. And I promise you, every one of us can. It may not be easy to start with, but stick with it. So, the next time we want you to lift a washing machine is next week, okay? I want you to pull that washing machine over and use the technique and, and let's see what we come up with next week. Yeah, William? strong he probably didn't need technique <laughs> for us smaller guys we need technique all right god bless you we'll see you next week